Hi, everyone. Welcome to the BizDev Podcast, the podcast about developing your business. I'm David Baxter, joined today, per usual, Mr. Gary Voigt. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good. How's everybody doing? Going good, going good. I can't complain. We've had uh, some fires this week we've been putting out, but those have been good. Clients are happy. So I am, I'm, I'm going to end, it's Friday for, we're recording this on Friday, which we haven't been able to do recently. We've been recording them on Monday and even Tuesday this week uh, because we've been so busy, which is great, but it's nice to have, I'm going into the weekend, God willing, calm. Of course, I'm working tomorrow. So what am I saying? <laughs> you had a topic. I'm, I'm going to let you lead this. This was your, uh, your main topic here. Why don't, you, why don't you pick up the ball and run with it? Okay. So I had a question. Um, I wanted to ask you and get your thoughts about the idea of adding a development team to a company's pre-existing development or IT team. So an example would be if you work in a big corporation or even just a, a smaller corporation or a big company that has a dedicated team and they're already really busy, you know, servicing whatever your needs are, but you want to add more features and they just can't get to it because time. It's pretty commonplace, in your opinion, that they can hire out to an additional dev team, whether it's just on a contract basis or a specific timeline, but adding a dev team to a pre-existing dev team. like Yeah, I mean, most of our larger clients, and I imagine this is true for most agencies, are big enough that they have their own IT team. And that IT team generally, I mean, if you're a company, what does an IT team start with? Networking, security, email, servers, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Usually just the infrastructure more maintaining than, yeah. your company's infrastructure. That's generally what an IT team is. As the team grows, oftentimes the business needs are grow beyond that. And the IT team is either they can do it, like you were saying, they're fully capable. There is always the bad IT team. There's pretty rare in our experience. You know, I'm thinking like movies and stuff always makes the IT team like or SNL used to do the things about the IT team being, you know, rude and obnoxious. That's not been our experience. We've worked with a lot of them. They're, they are usually very, very swamped. And that's usually where we come in. So when a, the business side brings us in, generally the IT team is almost relieved. Because Takes pressure off them. Yeah, they've got people banging. When am I getting to this project? When are you getting to this project? And they're like, we've got six months of work right here that you've already given us. We're doing the best we can. And so when we come in, they're usually happy to see us. Um, the other side of it is that they, they've they been doing the networking stuff and the security stuff and all that, but they need a, a mobile app. And that's not something their guys know how to do and they don't want to hire up for it. So bring in another team. Um, that's generally the two reasons we get brought in. Um, the key is though, because you're in someone's sandbox, right? That those IT guys this is their database generally, right? They're the ones managing that database. They're managing the data. So they're going to be real sensitive about some things and other things they don't care. And that's really where the juggling comes. We always joke with clients that we play well with others uh, because we're used to working with other teams. Some people, we've seen other dev teams, other type of teams I've worked with um, come in and it's either our way or get out. Usually that's like the big boys. Uh, when I worked for uh, as a consultant for the government years ago, that was the consulting firm. That was their kind of thing is we're coming in here. We're going to do it all and you're going to get out of our way. And the IT team, it, it was as being one of those consultants, they didn't like us. And that was just so when I was doing big pixel and we started doing similar projects, we came out with a lot more 
open hand rather than closed yeah. fist when we talk a, a to, bit, to a bit ideas. friendlier. <laughs> yeah, because there's no need for that. Because one, they're going to bring on a wealth of experience that you don't have yet. You might get it eventually, but initially, Especially when it comes got to the knowledge of the company and how it works, for sure, how it works, who you know, even if it's if you make a good uh, connection to the IT group, you're going to learn some of the politics. These are larger companies. Politics are rampant in any larger company, and those IT guys they've been in the waters for a long time. It's good to learn that stuff, but it's also they're going to be very good at certain things, and you're going to need them to do something. So, hey, I need a can you stand up this server? Can you? I need this database query or whatever. That's that's important. And if you don't do that right, all you're doing is you're poisoning the well, right? That's not good. So what generally when we say when you're if you're bringing in a if you're the manager person listening to this and you need to bring in an external team for any of the reasons we talked about, the things you need to make sure of is one is your IT group on board, (laughs) because if they're not, you're just that's going to get ugly. Right. That that is I don't care who you bring in. You can bring Jesus and the 12 disciples of uh, dev development, and it's not going to mesh with an IT group because it's already on the wrong foot. Yeah, if they're, they're not, they're immediately going to be protective of, you know, their job, their work and their products. Or and then that's never going to be successful, whatever that project is. So if they're not on board, figure out what you can do to get them on board. If they are on board, find out, and this is key too, find out where the line is. What is the IT team comfortable doing and which, and where are they protective? And again, this is the manager, not the dev guys. Where are they comfortable letting go? And that's what you need to outsource. Not the stuff that they're sensitive about. Not the stuff that they're protective about. If that's the case, then your dev team is already in a bad spot. Because you're in my sandbox. I'm now mad because you're here and I don't want you here. You're setting yourself up for failure. Because usually if you're bringing an outside t- team, this is a big project, right? This isn't... A brand new startup. This is a like we have one where we're connecting to SAP. I mean, SAP is a monster of of uh, software. What is that big companies. I don't know. Does it stand for anything? I'm sure it used to. It's it's basically one of those software platforms that large companies use. There's a few of them, but they're the biggest. That is, it runs the whole company. It does inventory. It does accounting. It does okay. planning and quoting and invoicing. The whole thing. These things are millions and millions of dollars when a company brings them in. But they have limitations, right? They, If I want something to go out to the customer, customers don't get into SAP. Um, so so what a team like ours will come in and build the thing for the customer, but we have to hook into SAP because so then that's you where have the data to have lives. the internal IT team Correct. get you that data from there in a secure yep. way without making anybody mad at the beginning. Making anybody mad. They're going to sabotage it. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's it's if you don't do that right, if you don't manage that relationship right, you're just setting the whole project up for failure. So as the manager of that company, you need to make sure that you're taping, keeping your IT guys um, in the loop. They're involved and they're excited about it because there's you know, if you're an, if you're building SAP or working with SAP all the time, the idea of building a mobile app probably is nothing you're interested in. Okay, but you're so- very interested in the data that's coming into your SAP system or whatever. So in an ideal situation, what do you think the scenario would be where it would make the internal IT team happy? Like if the manager is like, hey, we know you guys are busy. Uh, We wanted to build out the mobile app version of this, but 
we were thinking of bringing in a separate team. Would you like to be in on meetings with us to kind of interview these teams or, or just talk to them and get an idea of where they're at? Or do you think that's something that might be helpful? What we have found is the IT guys are, they want to be involved in the, in the interview process. So yes, for sure. Okay. They want to know that you're hiring nerds that, that can talk to their nerds. Right. So when we were hired by larger companies, the, the IT guys are like, okay, I need to know what you think about security. How seriously are you about security? Because that's their whole world, right? <laughs> You're a large company. Security is your bread and butter. So if you get, you can't bring in some Yahoo who's like, what's security? I don't know, right? I, I put an SSL certificate and I'm done. That's that's number one. So you've got to, they've got to make sure that they can vet these guys. So that we had to build these complicated technical specs that we were, this is how we plan on doing it. And this is how we plan on doing security. And they had to audit it. They had to vet it. And then they said, okay, these guys don't sound like morons. When, right? That's that's all I care about. Um, and so that's, find out what, the, what they care about, bring them in and make sure that those scenarios, those issues are resolved before it even starts. Because if I come in and they, if you hire a guy who doesn't know anything about security and your IT guy is got like, I have a global policy procedure that I have to follow. And this guy has no idea what's going on. Right. The other thing that you can do is sometimes IT guys, we have, a, we have a client that their IT guy likes the new stuff, but they just can't get to it, but they're dabbling. If we can bring in some knowledge for them and help them learn, uh, we brought in new tech into some of these organizations that never done it before. And so we become the blueprint. Now they like us, right? Because we're showing them and we're not being jerks about it. We're like, hey, this is how we're doing it. Yeah. Unlike the consultant team that you worked with, instead of telling them this is the new way, this is how it's being done. You're just kind of saying like, look, this is a different newer way that we could use this technology. You want to know about well, what in our works? case, you want to be involved in this or. In our case, the powers that be of the large company. We were working for a division for a, of a, a very large company, and they had said, this is how it has to be. And the okay. IT guys were like, this is new. We don't know what we're doing. We're bringing this, or, uh, not new, and on, the, on this stuff, we don't know how to do this. We're bringing the new team, and we want to learn from this new team. And so we built the first type of app for this. But now they're building their own apps using not our tech necessarily, but they're absolutely following the, the trail that we blazed. Um, and that's great. I mean, because our code is their code, right? It, we don't own anything. So they have access to all of our GitHub. That's another big thing. They're, your IT group should have access, get read access to everything that the consultants are doing. There should be nothing hidden from those guys. They're your partners. They're, they, they do a regular, again, larger companies do regular audits of us. Um, so expect that, encourage that, be open to that. These are ways you, you win the IT guys because they're important. And they important, they serve an important role. Now we do too, right? We're doing things that they don't have time for. We're offloading their plate, but we're also doing things that they don't really. A lot of them don't want to do. Like I don't UI. What do you? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't care. I've got databases to run, right? And so yeah, that was going to be my next question. Uh, sometimes the IT team and the internal dev team don't do design. I've uh, oh I've yeah. worked with companies like that. They have a really good. You know, staff of, of programmers, engineers, even data scientists on board. They want to build out a little, you know, a separate part of this software package they already had. Um, 
and they gave him a shot and everything worked great, but no one knew how to use it. So that's when they had to be like, okay, guys, we need, we need to bring in a, like a UI UX or at least on some level to get you started here to make it. We, so we've had projects in the past. These are tougher. It's it tried to build something like you were talking about. And they weren't incompetent. That's not what I'm saying. But they didn't design; just wasn't their thing. That's exactly what I was saying. Is that they they built something that worked great, did everything you know the the bosses wanted. But when to you do. bring in now, see this this is what when you bring in a team like us who were designed first. We are right in your sandbox. We are stepping all over your toes. That is much more sensitive. We have we got to walk a tightrope there. Like oh, I see, man, you did. This is great. What if we did it this way, right? That's a politics all day, every day. When you're on a project like that, that's tough because that IT guy is already, he's, you're in, you're in his stuff. His he's pretty, already you know, put his, the blood, sweat and tears in yeah, and he's pretty satisfied he's, with he's what prickling, came out. Right? He doesn't want to be told mm-hmm. it's not good enough. Because he doesn't think design is important, which is fine. Most of the time it's not for him. But this say, in our case, this is a consumer facing app. It design means a lot and the management tried this and the customers weren't using it. So now we got to try it different way. So that's a lot harder. I, you've got to be very careful who you hire on that because you're in meetings and it's tense and you need to be able to diffuse that situation. That's a, that's a dancing moment as we would call it. I put on my dancing shoes to make sure that everyone's happy um, and that they're getting their needs met. That's hard. Yeah. That kind of touches on a previous podcast episode where we talked about the design eye and so some most devs mm-hmm. might not have it, but uh, yeah, the sensitivity there in, in trying to get them. When I say them, if we were the design team and we were reworking or redesigning something that was already built, getting the developer who actually built it to kind of see the difference between the two, like you said, is a tightrope, but at the same time, it could be well, extremely one, beneficial for the company. It, to, it's one thing our devs, and just like 90% of devs, they don't have that design eye. But when I'm, when the designers and it's it's our process that design wins, our guys understand that and they're fine with it. If you're an IT guy who's not had a designer on staff ever, and now there's this new blowhard coming in telling you how things are doing, <laughs> and they're, at best they're peers. Right. They're not there's not a boss situation here. I'm not brought in to be the IT guy's boss. So I'm at best a peer, if not an underling, because I'm a vendor. Usually the new guy underling is. So we're brought in. And so now the new guy underling who hasn't proven himself is now telling the grong guards how to do it. Is that some Dungeons and Dragons thing? It's an old term. It's an old word term. I'm actually mispronouncing it. I do it every time. It's actually grognard. Yeah, that's even it means. It means that, like the old guard. Okay. Uh, soldier of our original imperial guard that was created by Napoleon is a grognard. I always say it wrong, though. I say grongard. Anywho, a little lesson for you. So, but it, you you have to make sure that, 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 again, that's the politics stuff. That's the hard stuff. Because that guy yeah. doesn't, you he doesn't trust you. And you're telling him how to do it. And the only thing you can do with that situation is, hey, man, we have new rules coming in. I'm from on high, your boss, right? They're saying that we have to come in and help here. I'm doing the best I can. Hat in hand, come in humbly. I know you know your stuff. I'm not here to mess you up. I'm just here to to help. 
if you could do that and navigate that, it can work really well and you can make a great relationship, but you're going to have a tough few weeks, if not longer, as you prove yourself. You can have a great relationship with probably 80 to 90% of the team. <laughs> Every now and then there might be that one guy. Yeah. It's always the you dude. just have to convince him that no, Telerik doesn't have the solution for every possible design problem. Does your cat want to join us? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. About Cat's going to join us. It's all good, man. Hey, we're, we're at home. I get it. That's funny. Yeah. So Telerik is not the end all be all solution to all design software ever. So you can't just always rely on but Telerik. Kendo? Come on, uh, man. Please. Um, we actually use Telerik sometimes. Some of our guys who insist on it. We have clients that so we have to get in there. We use all of those Syncfusion, Infragistics. I'm not a fan of any of them, and I tell people that. But it, we inherit works, a lot of it that works, stuff. But it's you fine. Know, it doesn't always work. And when it, it doesn't, doesn't always, always work. work, yeah, uh, you know, maybe maybe the uh, engineers might say, "What is your role here as a designer? You just." Drawing boxes and you just, colors. You're just telling mm -hmm. us which Kendo theme to choose? No, I I will say, if this is super nerdy, but if, you, um, if you're going, those things work, any of them, doesn't matter which one you use, until you have to go to war with them. Like there's a feature that the client wants that that thing doesn't do. Trying to change it slightly. Yeah. You will lose that battle every time. Oh, it's brutal. Anyway, I have a funny story. I was a consultant at the government um, and there was this guy, this is totally unrelated to anything, but it reminded me, there was this guy, he was one of the IT guys and he was real quiet. We didn't hear from him much. All of a sudden, I was there for years uh, as a consultant and all of a sudden this guy, I can't remember his name, doesn't matter. Uh, he gets fired. Everyone like, what in the world, man? I mean, like it was a big deal. He's escorted out of the building the whole bit. And he didn't say Come much to, to anybody, so no one knew anything. I mean, he was about a nice it. enough guy. I mean, yeah. it's not like he was. He, he, Come to find out, he had used uh, the IT budget to build up this super gaming rig in his cubicle and was playing World of Warcraft at night. After everyone home, he is playing World of Warcraft for all hours. And finally, he got caught. <laughs> Why but in the world would no you think one that's knew a he was good idea? <laughs> I don't know. He used government funds to build this monster gaming <laughs> rig, and then he's playing all night long. And I'm like, one, what, what does your wife think you're doing? Like, you're working late again, honey? Yeah, I got to work late. And you're raiding. You know, you're taking on the, the dragons here. But yeah, that, so he got fired. They found out, and maybe someone else who played found his Grongard character. <laughs> I will tell you, I, my guess, the way that governments work is there was probably some representative in the uh, the House or Senate who suddenly got a gaming rig. <laughs> that was one of the this that was one of the things that drove me nuts about government is the IT guys were given, you know, here's your budget, here's your computers, you know, and they were fine, but they weren't allowed to have a coffee machine. Um the government would not pay for the coffee machine that was considered wasteful. So they had to literally, they, the people on the IT floor took money in from each other to, for the coffee thing. So the only way you could drink coffee is if you contributed to if the you fund. put in for that month. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's ridiculous. Cause what drove me nuts is every two years, the new representatives would come in 
and they got brand new phones, brand new laptops. Even if you were already there, like not, not just newly elected, like you were still there every two years, you got a new laptop, new, new phone, um, new everything Like your staff got all this stuff. And the guys who were making it all happen were like on five-year-old PCs drove me nuts. That's class. That's classic government stuff. But and the other thing that was classic government stuff is they had a budget uh, surplus one year and they didn't, it, it, the rule was uh, in this state, the rule was if you didn't spend it, you lost it. They took yeah, that away from you the back next year. into the till so that they could supplement next year's budget with it. So they, so they were like, well, we have to spend all of it. So what are we going to do? They bought everyone on the floor air on chairs. The only people who were not allowed to air on chairs were the consultants. And so I was there and I was part of a big team, but I was there and they always knew I was, I always had an air on chair because I would always find out who was sick and I'd steal a chair. <laughs> so I would always be always stealing someone's chair. Uh, someone went on you know, maternity leave or something like, sweet, I get this one for a while. And I'd take it back to my cube. And because uh, we weren't allowed to have, we had these nasty old chairs, but then, and all the government people were like, look at me, I can't have coffee, but I have a thousand dollar chair. It was <laughs> so anyway, totally irrelevant to anything. I do think hopefully this was useful. I mean, cause I know that there's a lot of businesses, a lot of managers and stuff who have to deal with this problem and they don't know how to, they don't know how to approach their IT group. They don't know how to um, find the right dev team for that IT group and make that partnership. Or they might not even know that that's an option. That's true too. Yeah, they might just say, "Well, the IT group can't our do it." Team, so. Yeah, they might immediately think that if their team can't do it, then they got to hire different people. And that can work, but if a lot of times what you'll find is the project is meant to be short term. They right. bring us in, we do it short term, but then they really like it and they keep us. That's often the flow, um, because the mobile app went well and we designed it well, so people used it. And oh, and now you need to support it, and we need all these features. I mean, that's really common. But um, I just hopefully this was helpful to somebody. That was that's what it was. All right, just to wrap up this episode, uh, I want to touch on a subject we've spoken about before: Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, you you know our audience loves this. Well, I know that you were the dungeon master in your little group. I was for the first time. So I just yesterday. wanted to hear how it went. I was. I jo I was joined. It was a test group. I just want to make fun of That's it. That's fine. You can make fun of it. I mean, I just want to hear about uh -huh. it. Uh-huh. So interesting. It's so interesting. I won't take long. I was a DM for the very first time. And I will tell you, because we're all virtual. So as, as a tech nerd, it's pretty cool. Like I have four windows open of random things. You know, we have the chat windows and we have the video windows and the, the actual my text that I had my notes. Are there graphics or like scenes that you put up? share or isn't most of this just imaginary right or it, it's less imaginary than it used to be when i was in college and played this forever ago it was a bunch of dudes sitting on a bed in our dorm room and we would just talk that was the whole thing and we would imagine everything right now there are gizmos lots of gizmos the one we used last night was called roll 20 but you can basically it started out like old school ways if you were really hardcore you had miniatures and you would roll out a little mat and this was your battle mat and you could say where you're going and here's where the so it allowed you to spatially place things so you weren't imagining am i behind okay. the guy am i in front of the guy well so now if you imagine that battle mat is now on the screen and now because of games and stuff are super fancy we didn't do this last night but you can now do uh these virtual tabletops which will actually simulate lighting and what your guy can actually see based off of 
the lighting in the room. I mean, it gets pretty intense in terms of if you really want to go that route. We kind of went the other way and they'll do all the rolling and stuff for you now, which I'm not a fan of. I'm old. And I was going to say, that that's like the most active and fun part it, of a game. Isn't it, it really is. It We played some, a couple of times where we did all the digital stuff and we rolled by pushing a button. And last night we were like, ah, we're going to pull out our dice. We're going to try this and, and go old school. <laughs> it was so much more fun. It, it, because you guys all have your own like special dice too. Right? Oh yeah, like we've invested way too stuff. much in yeah. our equipment. So might as well use it. Yeah, it was funny because we bought all this stuff. Me and Juan, Juan plays with us, and uh, we bought. Uh, we we're showing off on the Slack channel. We made of all the dice we bought, and then for three weeks we didn't touch them because it was all digital. <laughs> and it was like, oh, that was anticlimactic. But so we pulled them out, and I will tell you that physical difference of I'm rolling this, I am causing this to happen rather than the computer makes a huge difference just in terms of you know you can hear like i have my metal my dice are solid metal so they are really heavy. A, a little bit more anticipation than just waiting for the screen yeah, to throw it is totally it is totally different so if you if you're nerding out i would highly recommend pick up the dice anyway i will not bore anyone my wife included in, with more details. but did it go well it did was go it a well successful quest it was or very mission, simple i it. kept it very very simple what's the term you, for it? it's I called a one shot saying it on it's called a one. No, shot. but I mean, like on Stranger Things, they would call it like a campaign. So a mission, you don't go on. You have quests, but it, like if you're doing a one shot versus a campaign, that means you're doing a. It's one night and one night only, and that's it. As opposed to a campaign, oh, okay. would string them together. Campaigns, you return to it and keep playing that same story and stuff. Okay. See, I did learn a little bit from Stranger Things. All right, and then probably the rest I've learned from Big Bang Theory. It is funny though because of. <laughs> Stranger Things, there's three things, I think. Big Bang Theory is lesser so. Stranger Things and a podcast called uh, Critical Role. D&D currently is more popular than it ever has been, which is crazy. I do know uh, there's a graphic artist and illustrator that I follow that's out of Orlando, which is kind of close to where I live. Um, And he goes by the moniker Hydro 74. And I know he has done at least three custom sets of like cards and boxes and stuff for Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. like different kind of themed out packages or whatever. So yeah, that's, it's definitely growing in popularity when they're hiring illustrators to make custom. Oh dude, Etsy is cards, full. boxes, packaging, all that stuff. Etsy is full of nerdy stuff. Me and Juan trolled through there and we have, we've got our custom dice box and a custom dice bag. And I mean, yeah, it is, it is super popular for the crafty types because the funny thing is, is, the average player of D&D is older, they have discretionary income, and they're going to invest in their hobby. D- the guys yeah. who make that stuff, Wizard of Coast, and that stuff's a, if you buy all the books, it gets expensive. It doesn't have to be. You can play it for free. But when you get into it, there's plenty of place for you to dive and nerd out. Yeah. And so there's <laughs> plenty of money you can spend if you want. And they know that. And so it's becoming more and more popular. All right. I'm sorry, Jen, my wife, who is now having to suffer listening to this. Most of this will probably be cut, so it'll be fine. All righty. We're going to sign off there. Thank you guys very much for joining us. Um, if you have any questions or anything you want to ask us, you can reach us at where, Gary? Hello at thebigpixel.net. There we go. All right. So with that, we will sign off. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you next time. See ya.